0: Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? How learning is on. It is I, Van Latham Jr.
1: And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Rachel. Yes. You're in a hotel. I'm in a hotel. It's Super Bowl weekend. I'm here for the festivities. Truly, that's festivities. all I'm here for. Not the game. Everything surrounding the game. It's always a fun week.
0: Because we're going to watch the game on, on, on Sunday.
1: Yes, we are. But what are you doing before the game?
0: I'm working out with Brian.
1: Are you really going to do it?
0: Me and Brian going to work out together. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm excited. I'm excited for you.
0: Me and Brian are going to work out together.
2: Okay. And then
0: I have some cough syrup left over. I don't from, know what
2: you're talking about.
0: From my sickness. I got some cough syrup. So we're taking it to... uh for the game, we taking it to Houston baby I'm taking it back to college at Big Mo
1: Brian asks me to explain it <laughs> he was well, like because I ran this way. by on
0: the group on the couples group chat <laughs> like, I ran this by it's like yo are y'all down to kinda that purple stuff
1: purple.
0: like you know and Brian's and our, like are nah.
1: significant others not alike like for them it was an immediate we out no like, nah. Nah, nah. yeah, and were like, yeah. Yeah, let's drink a little, <laughs> little <to> drink. drink. <laughs> let's, let's
0: do what we used to do. Louisiana, Texas, we can put a little, little drink in the cup. Um, how, is, how are things in Arizona?
1: I haven't really seen that much I got in late last night. Cold, windy. Today, I've cold been working. Windy. Yeah, like LA. Cold in the mornings, oh, cold okay. at nights. Very windy. Desert life. Tonight, I get out. I'm leaving here. I'm going to a dinner. Actually, no, I'm going to an interview. Okay. Um, Brian Cranston again and Aaron Paul. Did you see the video? Did you ever see the vid- the interview where I touched his head and he pretended like he was going to bite it? No. Okay. It's no. so on my social. I got a Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul interview and then I'm going to a dinner. And you're then I'm not going to you know, the
0: NFL know. Honors?
1: No. I. You know how it is with award shows. Once you've been, you're like, I'm good.
0: So you went to NFL Honors before?
1: I've been before. I've been before when it was in Atlanta. You didn't like it. I mean, it was cool to go. It was you, Steve Harvey was hosting, so he's great. I've been before in Miami. I went and I worked backstage.
0: You worked but backstage at NFL Honors. Did you ask people questions like,
1: yeah. like what's the
0: question? What's the question you'd ask backstage at NFL Honors?
1: Well, it was after I was freelancing, and it was after they won awards, okay. so it was more about the moment. What is the award? Like I had Lamar Jackson. Um, I can't even remember who else I had. I did Steve Harvey, but you know he he was hosting, and he's we're friendly because I used to do his show. But I was it was more about like the moment. Hey, how do you feel?
0: You just won Cutback Player of the Year.
1: Like, what does this mean to you? What 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 does it mean to you to be
0: Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year? Hey, how's it going?
1: (laughs) Hey, what's up? I had the Man of the Year too. (laughs) Probably did. It was. It was, uh, it was like all for digital. Actually, no, it was on NFL Network. They did air it there too. So yeah, I, did the, I actually did the carpet with Hawk before. We did Hawk, a live my friend, show. My friend Hawk. Yeah, yeah. Hawk and I yeah. did a live show for an hour before on the carpet for Twitter. And then we did, I went backstage to do interviews. Hawk mm-hmm. is the, man. It's the freelance days. Hawk is amazing. Incredible is that... talent. Uh, Somebody's uh... knocking at the door.
0: Go ahead. Let's see who it is. Let's see who this is. Let's see who this is knocking at the door
2: in Rachel's room in Arizona. Thank you so much. What is that?
0: What is, that? is that liquor?
1: Oh, we're getting started.
0: Did you just order a cup of wine to the door?
1: Cheers. <laughs>
0: Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so they just brought you up, they just put wine in a plastic cup and brought it to you. I had ordered it before. Room service. Room service. They, what kind of fucking hotel are you staying at? <laughs> to where they put the wine in the sippy cup, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, the hotels I stay at, excuse me. they go bring you up a wine glass. What kind of hotel? We, well, now that I look at the decor, I, uh,
1: we're not
0: five-star accommodations, are we, <laughs>
1: Crazy enough, this is considered a five-star hotel. Arizona you know what it five is? Star? It's a resort. Okay. So you've got a golf course. You've got the gyms, the multiple pools. So it's the whole thing, but it's an older resort. So the, the, the rooms are outside. Like As I'm looking out the window, I just see mountains and desert. And mm-hmm. so they can't bring the trays like it's inside with the glass. So she ah. ran it over to me.
0: Good for her. Good service. Good yeah, service yeah. at
1: that service. hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait, what were we talking about? Um, we're talking about
0: NFL honors.
1: NFL honors. Yeah. So wow. extra didn't have me working, wow. and so I'm here to. Uh, I'm not attending the honors. I'm just doing some other stuff. So then I'm doing a couple of interviews for him for them.
0: What is What is Brian doing?
1: Working in L.A.
2: He didn't make the trip. No. You he come. I'm gonna go get Brian tonight and take him to
0: the Creed screening. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go are get, you
1: going? I was supposed to go to that. Don't worry,
0: don't worry. I would have
1: taken Brian to that.
0: I'm gonna go get Brian tonight. I'm gonna take him to the Creed screening because here's the reality of the situation. You me you get to go hang out, have fun, all these NFL parties. You'll bring Brian with you. Brian doesn't come with you to the party.
1: So here's the Brian's thing. Brian's
0: huge. Brian's a huge football fan. Brian's a gigantic. Actually, he's football a huge fan.
1: basketball fan. So if I, if this was All Star Weekend, he would probably feel a certain way. He he likes sports, but this was All Star Weekend. It'd be something different. But let me why tell you, are you this, lying? Is a, this is if a, this was I'm All serious. Star
0: Weekend. It would be you and Whitney. In Salt Lake City <laughs> talk about go sports
1: go. So let me give some background before I go <laughs> Let me give some background before everybody comes at me. Because, you know, it's been a rough week with racial socials this week. I yeah, we have, have been doing that. I have been doing this tradition for five years with my homegirl. I met her, you've met her, Kate, my friend Katie. I met her at Super Bowl in Atlanta. Okay. Blonde, Oh, I, know. Um, I met her at Super Bowl in Atlanta and we just hit it off. We met through mutual friends, hit it off and Super Bowl has been our thing every year. Mm-hmm. And so what it's become is it's parties, but the networking is insane. Yeah. And so for me, like we go to dinners and then we go to events. Even when Super Bowl was in LA, Brian and I didn't go to the same parties.
0: He went to different parties?
1: We went to different parties. <laughs> So it's like a tradition. This is like a me and Katie weekend. And it has been for five years. And like, I am thankful that I have a husband that respects that. This is like Man. our jam. She and I get together. This is what we do. She's we're staying together here. Like, this is what She's we do She's staying in
0: a room with you. So this you guys are room. like those, this
1: is her room. <laughs>
2: you
0: guys, are, that's her room. You guys are like those, those 80 for Brady ladies. We're there, 80 movie? for
1: Brady.
0: Ladies. You and her, 80 for Brady. You guys are going to be doing this for a long so time. So we
1: hit these streets, we network. It's always a fun time. We meet great people. And like I said, I met her here five years ago, and we've been thick as thieves since.
0: Yeah, me and Brian got to start some of our own traditions, like going to Sam's I mean, house now on Monday night. You know, <laughs> um, Look, rough weekend social. Rough week of socials. Okay, so listen. <laughs> we have to discuss this. So, I posted Rachel's Beyonce take on both Instagram and Twitter. It is mm-hmm. still up on Instagram. I'm not going to lie. On Twitter, I had to delete that bitch. All right. Twitter, Twitter, Instagram is like, oh, she's wrong. And like, you have like, on Twitter, you have like really prominent people, Toronto Burke and people like that, that are litigating it and talking about it, right? On Instagram, yeah. it was like, we gotta kill this bitch, and Twitter. I'm like, God. On Twitter, on, Twitter, on Twitter, it's like, yeah, we gotta kill this bitch. And so Twitter, I was like, okay, this is going too far. I gotta, I gotta mute it. I know, I gotta, I gotta delete it. I gotta delete the tweet. I had to delete the tweet on Twitter. The tweet is mm-hmm. gone on Twitter. Instagram, I lifted up because it was a hell of a take. What if your socials been like?
1: So it's more of like, you're anti-black. Uh, shut up! Which Why are you talking crazy. with that white man? With that white man in your bed? Why are you talking? Those kind of things. Oh, she just sits around and listens to country music with her white husband. Um, oh, of course she wanted Bad Bunny to get to get it. You know, she's down with the Latinos. It's it's like stuff like that.
0: I can't believe I didn't think about that. I can't That's believe a- I didn't think of that. Of course you want Bad Bunny. You're you're living in the land of Despacito. Of course you wanted
1: okay. that. Let's I didn't not minimize how great Bad Bunny's album is and how and it's his his nomination alone for album of the year was historic. And a lot of people agree with me, Bad Bunny actually had a phenomenal album. And it's all Spanish speaking, which like Bunny, the fact that it was nominated me. at the Grammys, not the Latin Grammys, at the Grammys, an all Spanish speaking album shows the crossover appeal and the power of his music. But that's a that's a um story for a different day. This is what I find found interesting. So many people were mad about that clip too, because they were, they were talking to me, oh, she's so stupid. Oh, she doesn't know what she's saying. And it's like, it's a clip. We weren't there talking about, you mentioned it, but we didn't delve into Black artists not giving, getting nominated for album of the year. My take wasn't based on that argument. If you want to have that argument, that's a totally different thing. I'm separating it for the beehive and the way people seem so upset over Beyonce. I'm like, let's also not take away from her accomplishment, which she seemed to be appreciative of. I don't think it was the album of the year. I think she had albums that actually could have been album of the year. That's my point. And I don't think she should just get it just because she hasn't ever won before. I think she should get it for the work that, amounts to that, which I really think Lemonade did. I think we got a Beyonce that we never had before. A lot of people say they don't get to know Beyonce. You did in Lemonade. You definitely did with Lemonade. Um, So anyways, I found it interesting, like the Toronto's who wrote, and it's like, that wasn't, I wasn't trying to have the argument. I wasn't missing the point. My my point was just that y'all need to chill out Beehive. Beyonce's album wasn't that. It had nothing to do with the Grammys and how they treat Black artists. You know what I'm saying? It got it You're got right. way it got way more serious than it needed to. It was a clip, y'all. But I still I still stand by stand, uh stand by ten toes down. It was not down.
0: <laughs> ten toes down. That's what I like <laughs> fuck that shit. Uh I was wrong by the way. Uh John Baptiste won album of the year last year. So yeah, I, I that <laughs> I just, Yeah, I didn't I didn't even remember that. Um, but there is a deeper conversation to be had why black artists, particularly black women. Okay, because I think you got Lauren Hill, you got Natalie Cole, um, and and you got uh, I can't remember the the other artists. There's only three black women. Uh, well, no. I wonder Wendy how Houston. many times
1: they've even been <laughs> nominated because that's so, an issue too.
0: How many times so, black women have been nominated? Black women album of the year, black woman album of the year grant eleven. 11 have won. Oh,
1: that's, that's artists. That's artists. So,
0: wait a minute. No. Nah.
1: Stevie Wonder <laughs> 11, has won three
0: times. 11 black artists have won okay, album but of really the year. really
1: not 11. But really not and 11.
0: Stevie Wonder won it three times.
1: Three times. Michael Jackson won. Uh, Lionel Richie.
0: Lionel Richie. Quincy, Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones for Back on the Block.
1: Natalie Cole. Whitney Houston, that's the other one that you wanted to say. Yeah,
0: the bodyguard, Whitney Houston, Lauryn Hill, Outcast, Ray Charles, 2005, Herbie Hancock, shout out to Herbie, John Baptiste in 2022.
2: So, uh, that's pretty fucking shocking.
1: And I would love to see the nominations. Because e- either way, it's bad. If we're not nominated, that's a problem. If we have been nominated this many times and we and our odds are still 11 out of the 65 times that they've had the Grammy Awards. So what is that? What's that percentage, Donnie? No,
2: Donnie,
0: would have to look at that. Let me tell you
1: guys Donnie.
0: Uh, look, we can do a deeper dive into that. We can talk about that. Um, I'm glad to know that you're that the Beehive didn't chase you off your block as far as your your situation?
1: What did I tell you? The Bachelor clan is rough. I have dealt, I've been run off social media before. I've taken a break. So it's uh, to be expected. But, you know, you knew they were going to sting me a little bit when you posted. You knew I was going to get stung a little.
0: I know you get stung, but I, I will be honest with you Not about Twitter. this. Not you, Twitter. Twitter, you were shocked. You were shocked at Twitter. I couldn't believe the links. I didn't see it. I, I couldn't believe the links to, with some people. Some people were saying, at first I was amused by it. It's like, oh, it's because she's from Dallas and this is a Dallas Houston thing. And I thought, that must be really interesting <laughs> if you really think that. You know? But then it got to a point to where I was like, I don't know, man. It got so personal to where I was starting to get mad on your behalf. And I was like, and I was literally tweeting someone, you know what? Suck my and then I was like, I just let me just delete the whole tweet. Let me just delete the whole tweet. Because, you, know, tro- you know, there are people who troll you on my Twitter.
1: Oh, do they? See, I, oh. I'm not big on Twitter. So, I never saw the post. I never, it never even landed on me. So, when you, like, you deleted it, I'm just like, oh, okay. I never even saw what people were saying. Out of that's sight, out of mind. That's
0: because that's I didn't tag you in it. Uh, um, but let me tell you, but, but, but there are people that come on my Twitter and mm-hmm. say the weirdest things about you. And just don't even tag. They
1: comment? They comment?
0: No, they just say the weirdest things about you. They just, there's this one continuous troll that comes on my Twitter all the time and says, Van, why don't you tell Rachel to let Brian go? (laughs) I've seen her or him. Who
1: is that person? Like, a lot of people think that because I don't post Brian on social media, or that I do things like Super Bowl weekend without Brian, they're like, you don't love your husband. You're not giving him a child. That's what he wants. That's what you said you wanted. So everyone judges. This is the world we live in. They judge God your life based damn. on what you post on social media. Brian and I were so public with our relationship on the show. We keep a lot to ourselves. Like you know me in real life. You know, you know that most of the time when I'm doing stuff with you, Brian is Brian's right there. Always there. We, yeah. We just don't. We're not on social media advertising it all the time.
0: I gotta be honest with you, this is I, sad. I this love
1: is, it. I'm like, we're so I, strong. Everybody worried about us, Sebastian Nation. We're so good. This is like,
0: a this is <laughs> a sad day in higher learning history right now.
1: Why? Because
0: I gotta put it into the Brian jokes, and it's I can't be a part of it. I can't be a part. Now that I know that it's really <laughs> toxic, I, I can't <laughs> be a part of it. Oh, interesting thing about the last thing I'll say about the Brian jokes, though. This is the last thing I'll say about him is what an interesting coincidence with the fact that I was going to take Brian to the Lakers Thunder game for $7,000 a piece. And everybody was telling me courtside tickets, how expensive those tickets were and how I shouldn't buy them. Had I bought the tickets, we'd have all been going to fucking turts this summer, which we probably should still (laughs) go. Because... That was the game that LeBron James broke Kareem's record and either me and Brian could have been hobnobbing with the greatest of celebrities or we could have flipped those tickets for easily 30000 each, mm-hmm, maybe fifty, mm-hmm. depending on how thirsty the LA celebrities were. Okay? Shit, yep. maybe more. Okay? And we could have been... but I listen once again this is what you this is what you don't do you don't listen to people that don't want you to spend money my dad would always say that (laughs) when somebody's telling you don't spend your money don't listen but I should have I should have got the tickets I would mean we could have flipped them if we'd have got the tickets and me and Brian would have went to the game how would you have felt
1: I would have loved it but I would have been so jealous if y'all were there for that game so jealous. Man, what a moment. Lost.
0: The Lakers lost. What a, Shout out who, to LeBron.
1: LeBron won.
0: <laughs> Shout out to LeBron. Um, that is one fucking hell of an accomplishment.
1: A lot of people were upset that they um stopped the game. I saw. What was your take on that?
0: Those people must not know sports.
1: <laughs> That's what I, I was like, this record. I, we in our lifetime. If ever again, we will never see this. You stop the game for this.
0: LeBron James is the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Yeah. He's the, like, he scored more points than anyone in the history of the league. Guys, come on. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> All right. That's enough of the pleasantries right there. Get off Rachel's back. I'll tell you. Um, big deal of the day.
3: State of Union address on the other side of this break. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, dot ncom Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Rachel, did you watch the of the
1: Union? No. You did, <laughs> <laughs> but I caught the highlights. I read about it. I watched the recaps the next day, it, oh, and, I, th- and I and I thought about it. I, I saw it on, and I was like, I got home late. I saw that it was on, and I was like, I'll get the I'll get the high notes tomorrow. High notes. <laughs> high notes. <laughs> How long uh, day?
0: I didn't watch it when it aired, but I did watch it last night.
1: Okay, you we went back In and four. watched
0: it. In four, we back and watch it. Went back and watched it. On
1: a scale of one to ten, what would you give Biden?
0: It's hard to really rate something like that. I mean,
1: people were raving about it.
0: I-, I thought it was. I thought he struck the right tone. So if you if you ask me, well, it depends. So I'll I'll tell. I, bef-
1: Let's divide it. Okay. Tone versus subject matter.
0: Okay, so the subject matter was Biden making the case to the American people, in my opinion, about the things he's he's accomplished um, here just recently. Okay. And mm-hmm. that's what a State of the Union address is. Sure. Uh it's hey, this is what we've been able to do, this is what we want to do, this is who's standing in the way of us doing what we need to do. Okay. Um these might be the threats outside of our borders. These are the threats inside of our borders. It's the State of the Union. Yes, you know, some presidents are better orators than others. Some are able to uh, galvanize uh, people um, uh, in a different way than than other people are. Uh, But I will say this. um, This particular one wasn't about either of those things to me. It wasn't about whipping up the people in a rah-rah situation. Uh, I think it was partly answering critics who have been critical of what Biden's been able to accomplish um in his first couple of years. Uh and part of it is about really um striking the conciliatory tone with Republicans. That's
2: the what I the the uh overwhelming to me
0: takeaway. Uh, from the speech was that Joe Biden wants to thaw the relationship that the left and the right have right now that he wants there to be uh, a warmth uh, and he is reaching across the aisle so intently that i 'm afraid he is going to like pull his oblique. Like he, he is, it, it it was my Republican friends. It was, these are the things we've been able to do together. Hey, if you don't vote for it, that's cool. I'll veto it. But if you don't, it, like, if you don't vote for it, that's cool. No problem. Other things, if you put that through, I'll veto it. But it seemed to me that he wanted to bring a certain civility back to hmm. political discourse. Uh, and it also seemed to me that he wants from, from, the tone that he, that he had in the speech that he wants the rest of the left to file suit. Uh,
1: yes. There were parts where I felt like that was the case, but I also felt like this was an opportunity, you know, since we've were past the midterms and this is the first time he's addressed the nation since then, I felt like it was an opportunity for him to stand up. Now, maybe he didn't intend to do that, but because he kept getting heckled by the audience, it was an opportunity for him to stand up and kind of like stand up in a way that we really haven't seen him do that. That's, I thought he was sending that message to them too, because he also seemed to point out the things that are blocking the Democrats or you know, for the co- certain bills to move forward, he seemed to point out the things that Republicans are doing to block that, which is when he started to get booed. And then he called them out. He's like, oh, okay, so that's not the case. Great. So we're all we're all on the same page when it comes to this. It was like a really weird moment, particularly with Medicare and and, uh Social Security. Yeah, you know we'll what talk I'm talking about? about? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, yes, there was the reaching across the aisle. Yes, there was that. I want that that warmth of us. We're having to, we're going to have to work together. But he also seemed to really stand up. I felt like more so to the extreme Republicans. He seemed to call them out and how they're holding things back, and that and and more talking to the Republicans. The more the moderate of we got to come together because we've got these issues and these outrageous requests from the extreme Republicans. So I felt like I, there was that sense that we hadn't seen him seem a little bit more aggressive in that way.
0: Yeah, I, so I don't disagree. I think, honestly, the, they made themselves look bad with oh, for sure. how just childish they looked. And I think the tone that he struck early on and throughout the State of the Union, it um, actually worked in making them seem unserious about legislating it made them It made them seem unserious about uh, sort of having the country uh run smoothly mm-hmm. um, you know idea wise he talked about a lot of things that he was able to get done uh, He talked about a lot of things he was able to get done with bipartisan support, and I think that a lot of Americans that might have been watching the State of the Union might not have been aware that there were this many things that got done with bipartisan support because they are probably uh, being led to their silos blindly without thinking that these guys ever worked, to these guys, uh, these women and men ever worked together at all. And so Mm -hmm. I think that was Mm -hmm. important for a lot of people. And I think it was important to strike the tone um, of putting Americans first, not America first, because I think that there's a difference. Putting putting America first means a lot of times Sort of ignoring the specifics of either injustice, um, income inequality, or uh, sort of unfairness that exists in our country to present a clean image of the flag. America first to me sometimes means, hey, we can't do anything wrong. That doesn't matter how, how wrong we are, somebody else is wronger. And because somebody else is wronger, that makes us number one by default. And mm-hmm. I think you see that a lot of times. Right? With America first, America first, America first. Americans first, to me, means prioritizing the issues, needs, and problems of the American people before you deal with corporate or political entities that might have uh, a, a lot of weight or power in the country. And although I would be a fool to believe that corporate and political entities don't have control of what's being volleyed about in a state of union address or on Capitol Hill. It was, in my opinion, refreshing to hear talk about insulin and prescription drug prices, you know, indictments Mm -hmm. on Big Pharma. Uh, It was interesting to to hear about um, bringing manufacturing jobs back to the country. And how we can be first in manufacturing microchips or chip mm-hmm. technology that might be used to put in uh to cars, and how that can you know uh, revitalize areas of the rust belt um mm-hmm. the heartland mm-hmm. of America, places where he said very specifically jobs where you might not need to go to college to make a hundred ten a hundred twenty hundred thirty thousand dollars a year, which is the backbone of that it was it was very very encouraging to hear him say uh, that we have all these billionaires in our, comp- in our country and all of these trillion dollar industries who aren't paying their, uh, not trillion dollar industries, but billion dollar industries who aren't paying their fair share of taxes. Right. And that we're not trying to have a situation where wealth flows from the top down because that's not working. So what you're starting to hear, not as much as people would like, what you're starting to hear to me and, you know, he still said very clearly I'm a capitalist, but you're starting to hear, to me, and maybe people don't agree with this, but a little bit of a progressive sort of train of thought make its way into Biden's or mainstream Democratic politics. Now, a lot of people will hear that and go, oh, that's bullshit, Van," and blah, 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 blah. And it, it's not in a large way. But but just hearing, even though he doubled down on the fact that he's a capitalist, um, just hearing that the wealthy Americans need to chip in and to pay their fair share of taxes and just hearing that the current inequality in terms of income and wages just can't mm-hmm. continue was encouraging to me.
1: I, I guess I don't look at it as, I definitely wouldn't you know, use the word progressive, but I understand exactly what you mean. And I think it goes towards your point of he was speaking to Americans. He seemed to speak to, he seemed to, or whoever, you know, put together everything he was saying, the whole administration seemed to look at what's happening currently in our country and address the needs of the people, like the common folk. And that's what was really refreshing to see in a way that I haven't really seen before. Um, so I get it to that point. I get why you're saying progressive because he really seemed to be talking to the common man, to, to like the person who's watching it, not Congress who's sitting in front of him, the person who's watching it on television. I felt that in my high notes. Um, but one thing that we haven't talked about, and I'm curious if you wanted to move past it, if you wanted, unless there was another topic that you wanted to talk about, uh, that he addressed is police reform. Because that is something that we talk about quite a bit on this podcast. And he definitely spoke to it. And going towards the ratings, like I had you do before on a scale of one to ten. Based on what he had to say last night, how satisfied are you with his response about police reform?
0: Let's hear him. Donnie, give it to us.
4: When police officers or police departments violate the public trust, They must be held accountable. With the support support of the families of victims, civil rights groups, and law enforcement, I signed an executive order for all federal officers banning chokeholds, restricting no-knock warrants, and other key elements of the George Floyd Act. Let's commit ourselves to make the words of Tyler's mom true. Something good must come from this. Something good. Folks, it's difficult, but it's simple. All of us in in this chamber, we need to rise to this moment. We can't turn away. Let's do what we know in our hearts that we need to do. Let's come together to finish the job on police reform. Do something. Okay, so a scale of one to 10 Mm-hmm.
0: That's a three. <laughs> okay, and I'll tell you why. Comprehensive change in policing is going to come with some really, really hard to swallow realities
2: for America, right? That's tough.
0: You know? Um, mm-hmm. And without accepting those realities, it's difficult to believe that anything would make any change. What I would like to see is a president, a senator, a congressman, a mayor, an alderman, a councilman, an aide, an assistant, a page, a deputy, fucking somebody say these words. Three words. Three little words.
1: Okay.
0: Not the words you never say to Brian.
1: Ha ha. Joke. Joke. You're behind some of the trolling. <laughs> you do it so well.
0: <laughs> uh, three little words. And these are the three words. Policing is broken.
2: Now, those words are a lie, but I would want them to say them anyway. The words are a lie because
0: policing is not broken. Policing is operating in the way that it always has (laughs) and the way that it's intended, right? But in order to sell this to people that really
2: want to see wholesale change, you'd have to say policing is broken. The reason why you'd have to say that is because without saying that, you can't put it back together.
0: Okay? It's difficult to fix something without the realization that it is broken. Fixing something without the realization that it's broken is dressing it up. Like, if you get punched in the eye, or if I get punched in the eye, if I get punched in the eye, I can do one of two things. I can take some brown makeup to match my beautiful chocolatey skin, and I can put that over the bruise so that nobody can see it, or I can take a cold compress and put it to my eye to reduce the inflammation, right? Mm -hmm. I can heal it, or I can dress it up. In the case of policing, the cold compress, the actual surgery, mm-hmm. part of that is going to be dismantling and taking a look at both historical and contemporary uh, approaches to policing. And that has to do with the rise of killology being taught in the 90s, that has to do with the militarization of the police. It has to do with police budgets and has to do with an overall American approach to public safety. And if you really want to have a serious conversation about the deaths of Americans at the hands of the police, you have to have a conversation that acknowledges that our current form of policing is leading to too many poor outcomes. And it's not a one-off here or there. It's not isolated incidents. There are very distinct patterns of dysfunction that are reflected all over the country. So Mm -hmm. while the president
2: addressed it, he didn't say
0: anything. He Mm -hmm. politicked it. And Mm -hmm. in this particular issue, the more time we spend politicking it, the more time we The more time we spend politicking it in between that, the more people we send to the grave, even him saying, even him saying when police step out and they're, you know, they act poorly or they, or they, I can't remember exactly what he said. They, they cross the line. They have to be held accountable. Even that's like, yeah, cool. But how, how can they, how are they going to be held accountable? In what way are we, gonna so, you know, what about you? Your thoughts on what he said? So
1: I will be nicer and I'll give okay. him a five. Okay. And I'll give him a five for addressing it, particularly because the congressional black caucus really was on him and met with him about addressing this in his state of the union. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to, but he did. So oh, I will he give to, him- like- but he, there's always a choice not to. But he, okay. he did. Listen, I'm going to give him a five for addressing it, all right? The problem is, I don't understand how you can address... The problem for me, I should say. I don't understand how you can say the things that you said. Have the family of Tyree Nichols there and talk about how this keeps happening in our country. And there needs to be change. There needs to be accountability. Not tell, say how. Because you can speak to it, even if you can't accomplish it, because there's a Congress blocking you from doing that, you can speak to it. You can take that stance. You can cross the line and do that. But I have a huge problem with him saying that, and then not on the and then on the other side, letting us know all the things he has done. I have a problem with that because it's not working. I don't want to hear. It is great that you ban chokeholds and and no knock warrants, but if it's not working. I don't need to hear you reiterate those things. We know you've done that. What are you going to do to stop it from happening? Because I don't want state of the union addresses that are addressing things that are reacting to these things happening. We need to be proactive with that. And one of the things we know that the Biden administration has done is create this database. What I would have loved to hear him say is the the database is on a federal level. These issues are happening on a local level. There is no database that is monitoring what is happening on a local level. It is optional for them to participate in that. So yes, you have these grants that are available, and if 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 these um, local law enforcement do certain things, they're you know they're awarded more money. We know that that's in place, but there is nothing that, and I don't know if he officially has the power to do that, but he could at least speak to it. There is nothing monitoring these law enforcement places that are doing these things where we're having Tyree Nichols incidents. That's what I want him to speak to. I want him to say qualified immunity. I want him to take back defund for the police. I want him to acknowledge the fact that he's been in bed with police unions. Obama's administration was backed by unions. His administration is. I want him to take a stand. And say, I, I realize that I've been backed by this. I know a lot of people might have something to say about that. These unions, these police forces, these chiefs have supported me. This is how I feel. Something's got to be done. I'm making a call to them, or I'm holding them accountable, or it's time for them to step up. You know what I mean? More specific. More direct he's talking above the trees. I need him to get in the thick of this and specifically address why these things keep happening. if you can't physically if you can't within your power do something, you could at least open your mouth and speak to it and that's yeah. what he's not doing yet couldn't so
0: agree far. more he 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 gave some broad strokes in terms of uh in in terms of what he felt like policing needed to be. He, there was some talk about uh, better trained officers. There was some talk about uh, some kind of eating around the edges of what public safety should and could look like. Um, but, you know, every time you hear about increased training for officers and all of that stuff, what I think about is more money flowing into police department coffers all but over she the country. Right.
1: did. Right. Let's stop um, less than a year ago.
0: Yeah. So what I'm seeing and perhaps this isn't a layup issue for the State of the Union address because we there's something else we have to remember. That, <clears throat> and this is why activists and grassroots organizations are so important. A lot of people look at people that are on the ground um, making noise and they don't think that they're really doing anything other than being obstacles to political change. The president might not even be able to go up in, on, in, during the State of the Union address and say "fuck the police unions."
1: <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> People, like, I, I mean, it. and I'm just being honest. Like I'm just being honest with our audience now. The president, might, like for example, he Kamala have to Harris. Say that. right, right, Kamala Harris. They go, Kamala Harris. You know, back in the she goes, America is not a racist country. Kamala Harris knows fucking well that that's the wrong thing for her to say. Okay. Now. If I was the vice president, I could have said that in a completely different way Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and, and, um, and like talked around it and made the point that the promise of America isn't racist, but the practice of America is, Mm -hmm. you know, I could have, Hey, Van, is America a racist country? It depends on what you mean by America. How How? How? so? Not that she would be any less killed for this. Well, the promise of America is freedom, justice, equality for all, right? And that's what sort of inspires everyone about this country. What inspires everybody about this country is the same thing that inspires people about love and connection and unity. These are all things that we aspire to be and things that you want to live, uh, to have in a fruitful life. And that's what America is at its core. It's an idea right? And that idea Mm -hmm. is always worth fighting for. It's always worth pushing for and striving for. That idea is worth the trouble. The question is whether or not we are living up to that idea. And you would really have to have your head in the sand to say that historically and now that America has lived up to the idea of freedom for Black people, women, LGBT, boom. And after that, I'm cooking. I'm all over the place. But what did she say? No, it's not racist. Okay, well now, okay, we feel weird. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that I'm better at talking than Kamala Harris. I'm just saying now nah, it's weird. So what I'm saying is sometimes these politicians politic, but at this particular issue, with his parents sitting right there, I'm not so sure he called them the right name, by the way. With, um, these, with, with, this, with, with these particular issues, with his parents sitting right there, don't bring them people to Washington and even broach that topic if you're not ready to get your your your, your hands a little bit dirty.
2: Absolutely. If you're not,
0: after he got beat to death in front of the whole world. That's the only thing that I would say. Overall mm-hmm. though, I looked at the State of the Union address as a stronger mm-hmm. version of Joe Biden that I've seen in a, in, a, in a lot.
1: Right, which is why there was a lot of positive talks surrounding it. A lot of people weren't expecting it. it started off a little dry and it heated up when it needed to. And so, you know, I think it's made some people hopeful. So he addressed the union, and um we shall see we'll see we shall see
0: we'll see, I know that uh I know that um our our audience is split, just like a lot of people on the left are about whether or not they love Biden or whether or not. see here's the thing about what it means to be man, when you hate so much, you don't really know what love is, man. And the right makes themselves so hateable. Like the right, like, it, particularly the far right, they mm-hmm. make themselves so hateable. For sure. How the fuck you go outlaw mm-hmm. black history, dog? You don't give a fuck. Like, they, they make themselves so hateable. Like, we can't read Toni Morrison. They, they want to mm-hmm. take Toni Morrison away from... Th- Tony Morrison. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Nigga, I can't have Tony Morrison. No, Fuck you, cannot. You. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like on the other side of that, we go, okay, whatever, whatever else they serving, we'll we'll take it.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just weird. But, but it didn't or- seem like that in his dra- union, uh you say the union like address, which is why I think people found it so favorable uh, the speech in such a favorable way.
0: Okay. So. Had the conversation with Stephen A. Stephen A. Smith was on the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, look, Stephen A. Smith disarmed me. I think everybody knows we had a great conversation with Stephen A. Smith.
1: It was
0: a great conversation. Obviously... My friend. I, your fr- your I'm friend, one for Stephen one. A. Smith. I'm one for <laughs> one. Stop. <laughs> uh, so, here's the deal. Obviously, I have some disagreements with Stephen A. Smith, particularly in Colin Kaepernick. You guys know how I feel. I feel like Colin Kaepernick was professionally lynched and his he career was. was ripped from him for standing up for you guys. I think All that true. is wrong. And I think that it is up to us to put our feet in the ground and say, no, we won't let you take, a man, uh, take away a man's life's work because he stood up for black people. Okay, that's what me and Stephen A. Smith uh, disagree in that sense. Uh, he says we don't disagree, but you could watch the show and say maybe that Stephen A. Smith wasn't the most supportive of Colin Campbell. Whatever. All right. Did you see what happened between Stephen A. Smith and Jay Williams on First I Take? I
1: did. I did. Yeah.
0: So with Kyrie Irving, it's like uh, whether or not you they were going back and forth, whether or not it was something personal between Stephen A. and Kyrie. Kyrie needs.
1: Right. Which we know it's always like a, a hot issue when Kyrie is involved. Yeah. And Stephen yeah. A. And Jay and Jay has always taken more of the player side on that. Do
0: you do you think that there's anything personal that Stephen A has against Kyrie Irving?
1: It seems that way. Do I know firsthand? No. But the passion that Steve like Stephen A debates, you know, he he has his opinion about certain players. We get it. He's a personality. All of that makes sense. But the passion. Passion, the particular passion he has for Kyrie seems to go beyond that. Do I know this? No idea. I'm just observing it. It's, sometimes it just doesn't seem logical. I'm like, well, where are you coming? Why are you so upset? Why does this bother you to this level? It does seem to be something that he's not sharing. It's right. deeply rooted in something that we aren't privy to as Huh? I feel.
0: huh. Uh, okay. Let's listen to this. Let's listen to the back and forth between Stephen okay. A. Smith and Jay Williams. All right, Donnie, play that. and Then we're going to play something from Stephen A. Smith talking to Pat McAfee uh, that just came out here in the last couple of hours
5: daily news no but it's not gonna happen we, we put a different kind of onus on our athletes than we do and you made mention of that on your podcast i, I, I don't deny that Wait, so first off i'm not the one i know, don't deny one, that i'm being sensitive i I'm don't deny watching, that but you're the one that seemed very emotional oh my god go, go, ahead. Matter, Stephen, go, a? go ahead, subject go ahead come on man go ahead Jay. come on man go ahead I'm, Jay. I'm, not, I'm not sitting up here on national tv absolving Kyrie irving of every every decision I'm not going back and reaccounting every decision. I'm just saying how it's interesting to me. It just carries such a bigger momentum, in particular with you, J- 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 more so J- J- than anything, anybody J- 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 else. Jay, J- well, you know what? What I, would, what? I, what I would ask you is do me a favor. Stop telling us what you find interesting and just tell us what you feel. No, my job you, is you, to You, you say You say, I find it interesting. You always say that. Say what you're saying. What are you saying? What did I just say? What are you saying? What am I saying? I just said what I'm saying, Stephen A. Which is, and I'm not allowed to say what I find interesting. Of you are but like once again I invite you on the show to say what's interesting
3: he thinks you're too preoccupied with Kyrie too hard on Kyrie
5: did I Bridget Bridget Kyrie Irving last week before he demanded a trade we were talking football how many times have I mentioned Kyrie Irving over the last I don't seem to I don't seem to be the one being triggered right now well it's I'm always triggered no you're not Oh, yes, I am. No,
3: you're not. No, you're not.
5: Yes, I am. No, you are not. No, you're not. Okay. I've seen you. No, I no, watch no your problem. show every
3: so, day. So, what right, do you are we talking work about? Kyrie, like, or is this personal? No, no, no. It seems it's personal. I don't want it to be personal. What seems no. personal? It
5: seems personal for you. For me, with Kyrie? Yes. You are one million all, percent. You, of all people, with all the interest you have, got the nerve to sit here in national television and tell me I'm getting personal with a player? <laughs> Stop.
0: Stephen A. Smith says he's not getting personal
2: with a player. Okay. Does it go mm-hmm. on, Donnie? Does it go on at all? Yeah,
5: there's a few more seconds after this. Play it, play it, play it. I don't lose no sleep. I didn't say you lose I sleep. I don't lose any sleep over time, R. sleep. I'm, I'm passionate about the subjects I'm passionate about. I don't accuse you of getting personal when you take the You position. have you accused said... me of getting personal. Oh, my God. You have, Stephen right.
1: right. A. Can I go on the court? <laughs> okay. That's it.
5: That's it.
0: That's enough. That's enough. Molly doesn't know what the fuck is going on there. She's like, what are you guys doing?" <laughs> okay, so Stephen A. Smith seemed to take umbrage at... The notion that it was personal between him and Kyrie. hmm So it seemed like to me. Rachel. It seems personal. No, but it seemed like he was mad that Jay said that it was personal.
1: Yes. He or not, took not, it. Not to, mad, not mad. It seemed like he hey, don't, don't excuse he like, Wait, well, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. It went to another level.
0: Okay. I got so, I got
1: I'm on Jay's side on this.
0: Okay. This is Stephen A. Smith today. On the Pat McAfee show He was recently on the Pat McAfee show Saw the video clip today This is him talking about the Kyrie Irving thing You ever see you
5: coming full Kyrie, listen, here's the deal Just your coverage of it Here's the deal I am It doesn't matter how I feel about you I'm always going to be fair And I'm always going to be objective You ain't worth my paper So my attitude is, is that even if I don't like your ass I'm still going to be fair now, me and Kyrie have our differences, differences that I don't think will ever be settled. He knows why. It's personal. I'm not going to say why. But that doesn't, okay. st- that doesn't stop me. That doesn't stop me from looking at him and saying he's a phenomenal player. By the way, you'll appreciate this because I've been wanting to tell you this. I've been having to tell people this the last couple of days. They can't seem like they can comprehend it. There's a difference between superstar players and superstars. Tim Duncan was a Superstar. Okay, Okay? he was a a superstar player. I'm sorry. Yeah, he went on the court. He was the best at what he did as a power forward. He won five championships. Block. Kyrie Irving is a superstar. Okay, you walk through the turnstiles to watch him play. Blockbuster. That's what he. That's who he is. So in that regard, Kyrie Irving pays for himself. Kyrie Irving is a sensational basketball player, a person that I think is worth fifty million.
0: That's
2: enough. Okay.
0: Is it just me or did it seem that Stephen A's... Run back what he said one more time in in terms of this being personal, Donnie. Just one more time.
5: Now, me and Kyrie have our differences, differences that I don't think will ever be settled. He knows why. It's personal. I'm not going to say why. That's it. What the fuck is going on? Like, this
0: doesn't this change everything? in terms of, the look, we get what the criticisms of Kyrie Irving have been, right? Kyrie Irving seems to be always looking for a way out of playing basketball. It seems that whatever the reason, Kyrie, I don't want to play because something happened at the Capitol. I don't want to play because whatever, whatever. This has been Stephen A. And it's very hard to say Stephen A's bullshitting when you see the, the, the amount of games that Kyrie Irving has missed and some of the stuff that's going on. But to have a national figure
2: of that ilk admit what seems to be a deep
0: personal bias between him and a player. And mm-hmm. then... That's breathtaking, Rachel. No?
1: That's not breathtaking. I think it just solidifies the assumption that we always had. That there seems to be more to this story than is letting on. A lot of people are like, why is he going so hard after Kyrie? What is... What's the motivation behind it? It seems to be so much more than the fact that he just refuses to play or he does things in a selfish way and doesn't seem to consider the team or the organization as a whole. It just seemed like Stephen A. Smith had this bone to pick with him that he just kept going and going and going and you didn't understand the motivation behind it. So we assumed there had to have been more to the story, especially as Jay Will pointed out, if you've been following Stephen A. Smith or first take for as long as you have, you know that this isn't normal behavior. He might go at a player, but not like this. So to hear him say it, I'm like, okay, that's exactly what we thought.
0: Hey, look, I, I texted Stephen Day after the show, and me and him had a back and forth. I did. Look, I, I feel like I learned a lot. You in that interview. I
1: know. And you love it now. You're welcome. I, like, You're welcome. <laughs> I,
0: I feel like I learned a lot. But this is a legitimate criticism that people would have of him, okay?
1: Like, what would have of him? Yeah, of course. Yeah, like, no, I, I just want to make sure you didn't say wouldn't
0: yeah, that people would think that it sometimes felt personal with Colin Kaepernick that it is personal with Kyrie Irving. Yet we've seen, in my opinion, other people that he knows personally
2: not get what people would consider
0: to be like the same treatment. Like, like who? Like Jerry Jones? Oh, for sure. <laughs> like Dana, like like Dana White. Dana White. Yep. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean. And it's just, it, it's interesting to me. Not, it's <clears throat> and now I'm Jay Williams. It's not. It's interesting. It, it seems fucked up. Let me put it that way. That it's personal. Maybe with Colin Kaepernick, it's personal with Kyrie Irving. Yet, it seems personally that he might defend a Sean Hannity. He might defend a Jerry Jones. He might defend. Uh, uh, a Dana White. That's why some people like myself uh, might feel alienated by him sometimes. So, in his book, I didn't get a chance to ask him this. In his book, he says that Sean Hannity is right a lot more than a lot of Black America would give him credit for. And I, what I meant to ask him is what the fuck is Sean Hannity right about?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get to that.
0: What do you think, Jay? J Williams is back on first take next week. What do you think that what do you well, think that's gonna it, be?
1: It made it seem like I still don't think that he's gonna speak to that because I feel like he knew. I feel like what Stephen A. Smith alluded to with Pat McAfee is what Jay Will already knew. Huh. So for whatever, for whatever reason, Stephen A. Smith does not want to divulge that information. And I guess you gotta give him some credit for that. It's between him and Kyrie. But I, th- I have feel like Jay, Jay Will is privy to that.
0: What the fuck could be personal between him and Kyrie that would color his criticism of Kyrie to this degree? Well,
1: I think you brought up Kaepernick, and you said the way that he talks about Kaepernick is personal. I feel like the information that he shared on our podcast showed exactly why it's personal for him. Personal for him, According to him, he had conversations with Nessa, and, and I don't know if he had said with Colin, but he definitely did with Nessa on behalf of Colin, so it Made it seem like he did something on their behalf, and then that happened. So it did seem personal to him. I don't know if that is true. That is just Just the story that he said
0: for Colin Kaepernick. I'm just saying, Eric. My point, my
1: point is, is that it was personal for him. Back
0: to the NFL. He's going to throw no, no, no. 350 my yards. Point is, okay, stopping by We get it. We get in the got going it. Fucking got Fucking nuts it. one day. I can't wait. And I'm going to be right there wait. with you. I can't but, wait I mean, to this <laughs> nigga come back and go to the motherfucking point, Pro Bowl. I'm going to go it. up. It's going to go nuts. You're missing it.
1: Okay. You're missing it. The point is, is that it is personal for him. And, I, and there is something, and we had no idea that, about that information that he shared with us prior to this. So whatever he knows, we know he is extremely invested in this NBA world. There is something that happened between the two of him that he is alluding to that we are never going to be privy to. Maybe we'll have him back on the podcast and we'll flat out ask him and he'll tell us because well, nobody well, else is asking. Pat McAfee didn't follow up with that. Should've.
0: I got to watch the rest of the interview.
6: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. This
3: episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes: As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes: Enter the Kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Okay, there is a really,
0: I'll say, important but
2: scary, brutal, um just
0: incredible uh, story happening right now in Colorado that we should all know about because obviously you guys have heard me say this before, there's no way to care about black people if you do not care about black person. That means the individual experience, uh, the individual freedom, rights, um, and and really prosperity of the individual black person. We have to put the one person's experience uh, right there for us to all fight together over like we do anything else. Um, there's a man who I greatly admire, who you guys in in on the Reddit and other places have wanted us to have on this podcast for a while that's doing just that. He's fighting for a black man in Colorado. His name is Hawk Newsom. Hawk has made this work his life. Uh, he is the co founder of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York alongside his sister, Siobhan Newsom. Uh, it's independent of the BLM Global Network. I mean, we say that because that's something that we have to say. He is the co founder of the nonprofit Black Opportunities. And when I say fighting for Black person, that is exactly what Hawk is doing right now. Brother, we have talked about this. I am up on this. We're happy that you've joined us today on the show, but. Uh, We thank you for all the work that you do, but I want you to tell us what's going on uh, with this particular issue, why it's so important, and just lay it out for everybody.
7: Uh, Thank you. Peace, uh, black power, and reparations to everybody who's watching. Uh, It's important that before we talk about what's happening in Colorado Springs, Colorado, that we we put our minds in a particular place. We have to ask ourselves, what would we be doing if we were alive during the time of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street, of Rosewood, of Seneca Village, when Black people were being attacked and, and annihilated at, by, by racist white supremacy, So if, if you start thinking like that, then you can truly appreciate what's happening down in um Colorado. You have a brother and his wife, uh, Mr. Courtney and Nicole Mallory, who was wiped out, by the hurricanes in Houston, and they took that money and they bought a thousand acres in Colorado. Somewhere along the way, uh, the good white folk of Colorado Springs decided that they didn't want them there and started trying to push them off their land. They're doing things like killing their sheep, uh, gutting their pigs, destroying equipment worth thousands of dollars. Um, it's so bad that the sheriff is actually involved in it. OK, so uh, they complained so many times that the sheriff charged them with stalking the people, the white supremacists that they were fighting against. If, if you could imagine that um, it's it's a really scary situation. So we've been hearing about it and we decided that we're going to go down, uh, take a good you brothers and sisters and we're going down there exercising our second Second amendment right and we're going to protect that land we're going to protect Mm -hmm. black people the same black people you think about you hear about we're going to stop it before you hear about mr mallory being lynched as they promised to do
1: um there's so much to get into with this and i and i hate that i was late on the story about learning on it. When I, more research that I did, I saw articles about this going on for a while, but mm-hmm. it didn't seem to reach national news. And it's my understanding that the Mallories have reached out locally to NAACP. I'm not sure if they reached out to Black Lives Matter as well. But uh-huh. I guess my question is one, what's the current status of the Mallories at this point? Are they, are they still okay. um, in, in uh, jail? Or where whatever it was. I know they were arrested. Are they are they still there? Are they home now? And then also, what are the local chapters doing? Because they had first-hand knowledge before it became more of a national thing um, uh, to to help the Mallorys out.
7: Now, now, Van, I got to ask you, brother, is my leash off or are we trying to keep it Us. PC?
0: What do you think?
1: that's oh, why I asked the question, Hawk. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. Right. The question.
7: yeah. Here's, here's exactly what's been happening. This man has been receiving threats to his life. Uh, people are riding around flashing guns at them. They are afraid. They're being terrorized. This is domestic terrorism. They reached out to the NAACP and nothing. They reached out to the ACLU. They began to help and nothing else happened. They sent out calls to everyone you could imagine. And we have to to shout out ARK Republic. It is a black woman and it's ARK Republic. She founded the news news site and she was the first person to report on this. This is where we received all of our information from. So we can't take any credit away from this black woman. But three days ago, Mr. Mallory and Miss Mallory were driving to get groceries and they were pulled over for not having plates on their car. Uh, Mr. Mallory was detained. Once he was detained, the news got all got involved. And that's when the NAACP came. That's when the NAACP mm-hmm. showed up. And if we're going to be perfectly honest. Black people deserve better leadership than what they've been receiving. Uh, black people are subjected to leadership, the leadership of media whores, right? People who seek to publicize cases, people who seek to stand in front of cameras, but aren't really doing the work behind the scenes. And that's extremely problematic. And those same uh, 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 politicians or or poverty pimps that that we look to for, for leadership are the ones telling us to calm down. Right now, I'm from the school of Malcolm X, by any means necessary, meaning whatever we have to do to get liberation for black people, I'm here for it. But you have people who are screaming out, you must be peaceful. You must be patient. But black people have been peaceful and patient for over 400 years. There has to be a a, a different means of of, a different vehicle that we'll use to get to that all elusive freedom land.
0: When we're talking about specific people to indict here, um, specific bad actors in this situation. Uh are we talking about a specific county sheriff department? Are we talking about a specific sheriff? Or we're talking about are there are there any names that we can kind of put on this to get some spe- some specificity?
7: From what we understand it's Sheriff Gearhart. Uh Gearhart, I believe it's with the G Gearhart. Uh this is the officer that is in cahoots with the white supremacists and denying these people an investigation. You The Mallorys have filed over a hundred complaints about their neighbors, about these people terrorizing them, and the sheriff has done nothing. One of their farm hands was murdered. They found one of their farm... Yeah, they found one of their farm hands uh, with his hands tied behind his back and a bullet to the back of his brain And Mm -hmm. this was last year, and no one was caught, okay? There's been no real leads or anything uh, uh, substantive done in regards to investigating that death. And Mr. Mallory feels in his heart that whoever kidnapped or whoever killed this person thought that they were killing Mr. Mallory himself. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a serious, serious, serious issue. And the sheriff, whose wife is a judge, OK, in the same county, in the same town, the sheriff is, is allegedly involved in this.
1: Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that, Sheriff, because the Mallory's have made have filed restraining orders. Can you speak to that? It's not like they've just been sitting back and allowing this to happen. They have been proactive in fighting against this. And it seems the more aggressive that they are in standing up for themselves, the the more intense. The, the, the things keep happening to them, to their to their land, to their livestock, all of that. Can you speak to the sheriff's involvement and the lack of enforcement of uh, the restraining orders and all of that?
7: I think that's the, 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 the most important thing to touch on. The sheriff's department has failed to uphold the law. This is a person who's making these allegations of racism. These are two individuals who feel like their lives are in jeopardy. They don't have any family. They don't have people around in their immediate vicinity. We've reached out to bring people closer to them into their network. But um, you, you have to think about the, the bad old days, right? When that strange fruit that Nina Simone talked about was swinging from the trees, right? Hanging from the trees. It was the sheriff. Who is standing next to these bodies alongside a crowd full of racists? Like, this is nothing new. Racism in policing is nothing new. But when we look at this specific set of circumstances, he is uh, close to their last resort. And he is not doing anything to help them. What we understand is that Mr. and Ms. Mallory set up cameras and they caught the the sheriff in and around their property and they they made an an issue of it. The next thing you know, those cameras were destroyed, Like This is a a sustained effort to terrorize these people. And the reason that that black opportunities alongside the uh, Elmer, Geronimo Pratt gun club are going out there is to stop it, to draw a line in the sand saying, if you come to harm these people, you will be met with firepower.
0: So, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and I'm not sure how many uh, people are aware of it, is that Black Americans uh, own the least amount of land now that we've ever lo- owned. Um, but when we owned the most amount of land that we ever owned, it was actually in the 1900s, the 1910s, 1905, 1906, 1907. That land was both swindled from Black people uh, through usury, contract buying schemes, whatever it is, also taken with terrorism take it with terrorism. When I say take it with terrorism, I don't mean like, I mean millions of acres of land just taken with terrorism. Yeah. And my, when I
2: hear stories like this, I think the difference between then
0: and now is that we can, in the full face of everyone, stand together to stop it. You know what I mean? Then, Absolutely it it was it, it was different we were just dipping our toes into the marginalized american freedom of movement that we have we didn't even have it then we don't really have it now but it's different that's why i feel like it's so important that a show of strength be made in this situation and i'm glad you guys are going down there to do that
7: thank you
0: what do you need are you guys fully uh funded stocked and whatever or do you need help from people in order to go down there and um, use protection to love on this man and this family?
7: I think it's it's, it's very important that we acknowledge that the Mallory family has a GoFundMe, right? Okay. So that they can buy what they need as far as farm equipment and things of like that. We started our own fundraiser so that we can get things that the people who come down there to protect the land need. Uh, so far, we have bought a tent. We bought two stoves to keep that tent warm. We bought some cots, but what we do need is rations. We also need those military uh, glow sticks that you throw down and, and then lights up a specific area. We need night vision goggles. It's important that y'all understand how many militias are in uh, Colorado, how many uh, well-trained, well-armed people are in Colorado. So while we're out patrolling these lands at night, we need night vision. And those things cost a lot of money. They cost two, three, four, five thousand dollars 5000 so that we can see potential threats, right? There is a need for uh, four-wheelers so that we don't have to ride—I'm uh, a city kid. I'm from the Bronx. I, tell, I need I'm a four-wheeler. You, you need to—we you know? talked
0: about this, Hawk. You need to get up on that goddamn yeah. horse.
7: Yes. <laughs> I'ma try <trying>.
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna try
0: it.
2: all four wheelers though? <laughs>
7: <laughs> but um yeah, so so you know, we have we need more sleeping bags, we need more cots, we need more equipment. Um there's 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 the night vision goggles, helmets, things of that nature. So people could keep warm. Uh we're heading down there soon and some of the nights we're down there is gonna be ten degrees. And we're sleeping outside in the element. So we have those tents. We need more tents for when more people come. But um, everything that we're asking for is to sustain the different organizations that come down to patrol the land. So it's not like we're asking for things that will benefit us. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, gas money. It's travel. It's uh, only things that I mentioned previously, but it's a definite need. A lot of people say, uh, well, we had these comments, you know, a lot of people want to ask, well, where's the money? You know, we were tied to the BLM brand. We were too radical, so we didn't see any of that 90 million. But um, if you want to say, where's the money? Why don't you just grab guns and go down there? Well, that's cool. But where are we going to sleep when we get down there? Right. You need real tents. We dropped two stacks on a tent. You need heaters. You need uh, equipment. You need food. You need things to to. to, to sustain in an action like this so that's important
1: um can you give us the specific name so we can you know i want we want to be able to donate but then also to link that to all of our listeners of your gofundme also the mallory's gofundme and then i'm also curious because you guys you said you're going down there to exercise your second amendment rights but what's being done on the legal side is there okay. a need for that? Is there, is there stuff we could donate? Who's helping them fight this on the legal side of it?
7: Uh, yeah, so you can talk about that. Well, we, um, we've supplied lawyers. I'm a, um, I have a law degree, but I, I'm not practicing. Uh, we supplied a lawyer... Same, right on. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> We supplied a lawyer for Mr. Mallory uh, who's doing this work uh, pro bono, right? Uh-huh. But as this thing continues, he'll start right. to incur a lot of fees so you donate toward. Those legal fees. Um, the Mallorys have a GoFundMe, and I believe it's on Black Farm Owners Matter. Um, you could check and, and please correct me. Um, Black Farm, and it, it's on their page, and you can find it there. If you want to donate to Black Opportunities, which is our organization, you can go to ops. That's T H E B L A C K. OPTS.com. It's uh black opportunity at black opportunities on Venmo. And I think uh, it's on Venmo. It's info at the And, um, you know, cash App all of it is posted on our social media as well. Uh, and that's on Instagram. It's at T H E B L A C K O P T S.com. I wish I had a tighter sales pitch, but I, I ain't a salesman. I'm a revolutionary. No, no, we got you. You know
2: what yeah. I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk,
0: one <laughs> <that> I, <clears throat> the one thing that I'm concerned about um, is y'all's safety. Just to be mm-hmm. real. I know you don't care. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, I know, I know, but, but we're, we're buttoned up legally about what you guys can and cannot do in Colorado. You guys yeah. are going to have proper Body protection. I mean, is vests on the list? Uh, we, things of that nature. Okay, how long? We, how, how how long of opposites? How long are you gonna be down there?
1: Yeah.
7: Uh, we're saying for a few days, and what we're doing is something called a ride along. These are military terms. Uh, the Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club, who's helping as well. You should look them up. They are uh, military. They move military, military style. They're former military. What they're doing is something called a ride-along, whereas we go down there, we lay the foundation on how this thing should operate. So when more people come in, uh, uh, as we're leaving, as our cycle ends, they just jump right into that driver's seat and teach the next people who come in, and it just rotate so we'll be down for a few days and we'll be back down in a couple of weeks you know and um it's, it's, it's 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 really important i just literally i just bought two plates with some of the donations we definitely need body armor um we definitely need uh uh plates that can withstand a rifle round a lot of people don't understand you get a bulletproof vest it doesn't automatically stop rifle rounds so you'd have to get those um those plates. Uh, what we can do is, I can direct you to Safe Life Defense, and um, and and you can go ahead. I'll see if I can create a wish list and maybe put something up on social media about that. That would be great. But um, that would be great.
0: What uh, what's victory here?
2: Victory. You really want to know? Victory for us is
7: one keeping. The Mallory's alive and safe. Mm -hmm. But two, showing Black people across the country that there is a group of individuals that will show up to stop the bullshit, okay? That will show up and stop white supremacy right in its tracks. You don't have to be on the front line with us. You don't have to be screaming on the news. You don't have to be carrying ARs. But there is a lane for you. You can support. You can donate a couple of dollars. You can volunteer to help out. You can bring your challenge to this movement and help us reach people. Because outside what we're doing now, Black Opportunities has, has fed over 30,000 people in the last two years. We've given away thousands of toys for Christmas, Thanksgiving. We own a school in the South Bronx. Like, this is real revolutionary work, but this is just part of it. A lot of people see us out you know, fist up in the air like we did for Tyree Nichols in Times Square like last week. That's only ninety percent that's only ten percent of it. The real work is in our communities protecting and teaching and uplift our people uplifting our people. And if you want groups that can do that, then you need to come and rock with us. I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh,
1: uh
0: um, oh Rachel, go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was gonna well I was gonna say I think it's a shame. I I'm glad y'all are coming down there, but knowing that there are other groups in Colorado, this whole state, and y'all got to come from New York to do this. I'm hoping that it also shows other organizations. They either need to do better or mm-hmm. why are you smiling? That They even need to do better or that, they need other organizations need to come together to be able to supply this locally so you don't have to That's come good. from New York to do this. Uh, one thing I do want to give you the opportunity to talk about, though, is Summer of Hope, because you talk about the oh. other work that you're doing as well. You're not just you're, what you say, what we're seeing is 10% of it. You're doing so much mm-hmm. more. Can you talk about Summer of Hope?
7: Before we shift gears, I just want to tell you all this. Since we started promoting the Mallory situation in Colorado, we've received emails about two or three other families that this is happening to across the country. So this work is sustained. So don't just think like, oh, we're just going to help the Mallorys. No, you need to think about how we're going to sustain this work. And what we're trying to do is build out a blueprint. So the Summer of Hope, uh, I don't know if you all remember, but I I had a beef with the Black mayor of New York before he took office. Yeah. Right? And it, it got real ugly because he said he was bringing back the same Police squad to kill Eric uh, Eric Garner to kill Sean Bell to kill uh, Amadou Diallo like they were the worst one of the worst police units in the history of New York, kind of like that scorpion down in Memphis, right? And we were like, nah, it's not happening because they'll kill somebody and then we're going to X and Y and Z. And they were calling me a terrorist. They were saying this and that. Let me tell you something about Hulk News. Um, I speak American. I speak white American. So when something happens in the Ukraine, America doesn't say, let's find a peaceful situation. They say, no, we're going to send the, we're going to send, uh, Ukrainians some weapons and helicopters and they're going to fight back. Right. They didn't say Mm -hmm. run and hug the terrorists who took down the towers. They said go and get them. That's the language that we speak. You understand? So, um, you, you give me hype. Yeah. I forgot even the go question. On, go, do your shit. But 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 but, but what was was real is I was like, "Yo, kill somebody. We gonna tear shit up." Period. Like we gonna tear shit up. And a lot of people got mad at me, but we were right. And we put the pressure on, and he didn't bring back that unit. He brought back a modified unit with a, a, a serious eye on them. So we won that battle. Um. So it's been kind of tit-for-tat in the press. So the murder rate was through the roof. And he goes on TV and says, well, if Black lives really matter, then they'd be out here doing something about the violence. So here's New York City's mayor, um, who is, you know, what they call him, what they call him, Fabio, because he always in the club. He always parties with people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, they call right, him right. Fabio, you know, <laughs> he chilling with the rappers, he, whatever, he's a cornball. But um, <laughs> he he uh, so 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 he said, "Oh, if Black lives really matter, you'll do something about it." I said, "Okay, fine." We created the Summer Hope, which meant we went into our hoods every day, the most violent neighborhoods in Harlem, where people were being shot daily. Every couple of days, it we was shooting, and we set up micro block parties, and we showed love and created that space of healing for our people. It was like old school '80s block parties music, uh, uh, games like Giant Connect 4s. We gave away free books. We had some of the most talented, revolutionary voices in the city come out and give speeches. I bought about $10,000 in DJ equipment, but it was so small in these little areas and we fed everybody. We fed 300 people a day and it was beautiful. Where we did this, our target areas, shootings went down 40%. And once we put the energy out, because the streets truly listened to us in New York City, right? Once we put the energy out, it carried, crime went down. Now, if you listen to the politicians, they say it was the police, but we, we really, really know what it is. And what was really interesting, this was a Black Opportunities Initiative, and we're kind of moving away from BLM, right? So a lot of people didn't want to invest in it. they like, what you talking about? You're talking about love? Like, you're going to spread love to black people? Like, yes, love and unity is what we need. That's how we overcome. That's how we get to the promised land. And um, nobody would invest. So my sister and I, we took our salaries, invested it. We got a few other people to pitch in. We raised about 75000 The original budget was about $275,000. And you know black folks, you know, they gave us no food. We made old food. We made soul food, right? Yeah. We did it with 75 stacks. And we made it work. You know, we we, we made it work. And that, that was a blessing. So we're looking forward to doing that not only in the, in Harlem again, but in the Bronx. And um any mayor in New York City, I'm sorry, in, any mayor in the country, any local politician or business owner that say, hey, I want to spread love in my community and do something about this violence, hit us up. We got the blueprint and we can come down there and set it up for you and help you run it throughout the summer. It's about saving our lives and building our people up.
2: Okay.
0: Here's the thing. We know that tens of millions of dollars were raised after what happened to George. We know that hundreds of millions of dollars have been raised ever since things kind of got popping in the 2010s. All right. We have a blueprint that tells everybody that people will show up after there's been Black Death. My question to everyone listening to this, and everyone who will see this on social media and everyone who will see this, wherever this goes, is will you protect, value, um, and prioritize prioritize Black life? This family in Colorado is still alive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: These kids in the Bronx and Harlem and wherever else, they're still alive. Will we show the love and the effort and the unity in uh, protection while people are still breathing here and they can see it and feel it? That's what Higher Learning the Podcast is asking you to do right now for Hawk Newsom and everyone who's going down to Colorado. We need to see the numbers go up. We need to see this story shared. We need to see this be able to be a catalyst for anybody out there who's the victim of racial terrorism, for anyone out there that feels like their life is is in danger from the police, from their neighbors, from whoever, okay? And we need to see those same types of funds. We need to see these organizations flush, flush, so that they can do their work. Yeah. I pledge $1,000 right now to you guys and what you guys are doing down there.
1: And
0: you I'm asking. And, and, and so what I'm asking right now, and I know that everybody is in a different space. I get that. But I'm asking you guys, please help protect Black
1: people. Please. Yes, and can I just piggyback on that and say, because it's not just this. Hawk, you mentioned that you've received emails about other families that are in danger, that are in need, and I'm asking you to keep us updated on that so we can spread awareness to where it's not them getting arrested and then it becoming national news and we're just reacting to what has happened. We wanna be proactive on this podcast. So if you can, keep us updated so we can support what whatever it may be, whether it's using our platform, our money, both, all of that. So we, we want to make sure that we're that we're supporting you here on higher learning. Thank
7: you. All right, right Hulk. Uh, um I got I'm sorry, bro. I got go one for it. just two things. Go for it. um on the seventeenth, Mr. Mallory is leading a march to the state capitol. I believe it's Denver, Colorado. He's pushing something called a Karen bill. Right. Which we're making a crime for people to do race based police reporting. You see it all the time. This is what he's experiencing. And um, he's asking people to come out. I'm not sure if I'll be there for that. Like I told you, I'm not big on a marcher. I'm with the I'm with the ships like I'm with the action. Uh, I'll march if I have to raise awareness about something like Jahi McMillan, Gulfport, Mississippi, 15 year old black boy shot. No weapon in his hand, point blank in his head. They have video footage. They have cameras of this with the Gulfport Police Department and their mayor's. And their mayor will not release the footage. Oh, we want to. Okay, if the shooter was justified, release the footage. And that—that's it. That's I just want y'all to stay focused. Like,
0: we will. Hawk, bro, I appreciate you, man. Um, Appreciate. We like. We need you, and uh, even if sometimes you don't feel the love, just know that we are bonded in love for what you're doing. I want you guys to stay safe. Y'all got... you to uh, stay pray, dangerous, man. Stay... <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> sometimes you say safe, by staying dangerous, all right? That's how right I do on. some... You guys, we are going to have, not only on the Higher Learning um, uh, Instagram page, but on my page... Uh, I will post a link in my bio to Same. what we, uh, what some of the, the causes that Hawk is talking about. We need to get them flush. We need to keep our eyes on this and we will check back in with you in about two weeks, brother.
7: Right on, right on. Appreciate you, All right, brother. Thanks, Hawk. You,
3: this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with $25,000 tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit Hyundaisa.com to learn more about the all new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: Okay, uh, our co worker here at Spotify
2: Joe Rogan. Oh, stop doing that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> he works. It. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Uh Joe Rogan was talking with Crystal Ball, which is an interesting name. I've been watching her stuff for a long time. She used to be on the Hill. Maybe she is still on the Hill.
1: Um, I like her Breaking Points podcast. You like Breaking
0: Points? You like that? They we were talking about Ilhan Omar, who was recently removed from the Ford Affairs Committee by Republicans over accusations that she is anti-Semitic. I know you guys have all uh, heard about that. You've seen the uh, AOC talking about it. Russell squad coming to her defense. Um, Rogan came clean with some of his opinions,
2: and I, uh, my Jewish brothers and sisters, were none too
0: happy. Run the video. I run the audio. Down.
2: Do you for see him sitting
6: next to Ilian Omar, where she's uh, she's apologizing for talking about it's all about the Benjamins? Yeah, which is just about money. She's, she's right. talking about she money. She shouldn't have apologized. That I mean, not, that's not an it. anti-Semitic statement. I don't think that is. It's about Benjamins or money. You know, the, the idea that Jewish people are not into money is ridiculous. Listen. It's like saying uh, Italians aren't into pizza. It's fucking I stupid. Mean, listen. It's I, fucking stupid.
4: I understand that the way she phrased it, like she could have phrased it a different way so that people would have less of a freak out.
1: But can you not talk about the influence of money in D.C.? Of course.
2: All right. Now, look. Guys, I, I don't know. It's fucked up.
0: Like you can't, you you can't. Okay. I just want to make sure because there's two things that my brain go to during this. And I'm gonna attempt to express them both. One is, hey, they're not kicking Joe Rogan's ass like they've been kicking some of the other people's ass that have been accused of anti Semitism, right? Uh they they they're not kicking his ass. Like, that's a full-on anti-Semitic statement. And for people that don't understand why that's an anti-Semitic statement, it's because the trope itself, right, the trope itself uh, has been used, economic anti-Semitism has always in some way been used to justify the extermination or the killing of Jewish people. Facts. Um, There's a guy named Abraham Foxman, and he summarizes these things. Six facets, six facets of canards used by proponents of economic anti-Semitism. Here they are. One, all Jews are wealthy. Two, Jews are stingy and needy and greedy. Three, powerful and wealthy Jews control the business world. Four, Judaism emphasizes profit and materialism. That's an important one. Five, Jews may cheat non-Jews. Six, Jews use their wealth and power to benefit quote-unquote, their own kind. Here's some statistics on this. 2007, the Anti-Defamation League conducted a poll uh, that asked people if they agreed with the statement that Jews have too much power in international financial markets. This is the polling data. 61% in Hungary, 43% in Austria, 40% in Switzerland, 40% in Belgium, 21% in the United States, and 13% in the Netherlands. All right, so when you're when we're talking about certain realities, I want you to remember how these stereotypes, uh, the basis of these stereotypes. Let's take a stereotype about me, big black guy. Van, six foot four, two hundred and eighty-five pounds. Okay? So I'm a big black guy who's got super nimble feet, okay, and great hand movement and amazing coordination, right? I'm a big, nimble black dude, right? So I'm so big and I'm so strong that the athletic prowess that somebody like me might have, right? Not necessarily me, Rachel, but somebody else. That somebody like, like me might have, that means that I'm also easier. That means that I'm also better at working. I'm hard to kill. I'm tougher. I'm stronger. So you can whip me. You can punch me. You can beat me. I am like a horse. I am a big animal. So that's why I get mad when, hey, this guy's a beast. This dude's a, 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 a this was a stallion. All of those things. To me, the underlying situations of these stereotypes, Rachel, I'm not talking about how good of an athlete I am, okay? <laughs> the underlying things of these stereotypes are things that are used to dehumanize and excuse actions that people do to one another. So when black people are looked at just for their physical ability. Remember, Mm
2: -hmm. it is that
0: physical ability that allowed them to become child in the first place. The notion that Jewish people love money and are greedy lends people to believe that these people will cheat you out of money, that these people will hoard money. And because of that, when it's time to start killing motherfuckers, kicking them in their ass, this is a, a reason that people used to excuse that. That is a fact. And I got to be honest with you. I don't fucking see how Joe Rogan doesn't know that. I personally believe that what we're seeing with Joe Rogan, because I also saw Joe Rogan retweet something on his Instagram that talked about how, not on his Instagram on his Twitter, that talked about how AI is taught to be racist.
2: Mm-hmm. He was like,
0: and I saw that. And I sent that to the group, right? What I think I'm seeing with Joe Rogan and guys like Joe Rogan is a not so subtle dipping of the toe into the other side of the American experience. The American experience that seeks to categorize, group, and blame people for either the downfall or the minimization of straight white male thought. And I'm seeing this from him, the Bill Mars, and all of these people that want to exist in fringes that challenge what we think is decent. And I'm wondering why Joe Rogan is not getting his ass kicked to me. Yeah, I think that's the question. For spreading this deadly trope about Jewish people like everybody else who I've seen get their ass kicked for spreading this this type of thing. Look, Kanye West and all of this other shit fucking nuts, right? Joe Rogan is one of the most powerful voices culturally (laughs) in America and he just recited on his ridiculously, wildly, almost... Weirdly successful. It's so successful. Imagine the most successful podcast that's out there and then triple it. And those are the numbers that Rogan does. And he's doing fucking hate the Jew shit. And I and I'm just wondering why people aren't as up in arms about that. There is a clear double standard here.
1: There's a great question. I mean, I mean, that's a great question. I, I honestly have no idea. I have no idea as to why. Because if you're right, if it had been anybody else that said it, then they would have, they would be all up in arms and they would be calling them out and it would be a whole thing and it would be a media story. But for some reason, this is just floating under the radar. Uh, but you said it all. And for, and for time's sake, I'm going to let that sit there. I don't have anything else to add to that.
0: I will, I will say one thing though. And I would be a hypocrite if I didn't say this. Spotify I love going to Spotify and hanging out and chilling I love going to the cafeteria whatever, all of that
2: stuff man if this
0: speech right here isn't worth discussing with Joe Rogan, if this speech right here isn't worth discussing in a larger way
1: mm-hmm.
0: it can't just be about being white and powerful that excludes you from having the same rules as everybody else when it comes to speech like this.
2: Yeah. No, I agree.
1: I agree.
0: Leonardo oh, DiCaprio's Leonardo, email back. Yes, Leonardo DiCaprio's hate. date. He, he's, he's dating the spring breaker. Do you care? No. You, you don't care. Is she She's she 18? She's 19. Right, I don't care. I don't
1: care. She's 19. He's, it benefits he's her. Good for her.
0: All right, mail back time.
1: Good for you. Bothers you?
0: Nah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> mail back,
1: <laughs> mail back
0: time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mail time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in.
2: All right, first one is from Okay Cranberry on Reddit. In spirit of the Super Bowl weekend. If you could choose one halftime performer who hasn't done it before, who would it be? Also, what two guest appearances would you book with them?
1: I'm going to put it all in one. What I saw from that 50th anniversary of hip hop, I, I would have loved to have seen that on the Super Bowl stage. I mean, I've, obviously that's hard to condense, but I would love to see hip hop celebrated, uh, the errors of hip hop, and maybe up until the 90s. I think that would be a really cool halftime performance.
0: Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed.
1: Go. Next one, Donnie. That's next who I want to see. I don't, don't want to talk about football anymore.
0: All right. Uh, <laughs> well, let's stay in the music
2: realm. Uh, the second one is from Savon28 on Reddit. What's the worst song by your favorite artist? My favorite artist is Burna Boy. Okay.
1: Right now?
0: I mean, you're talking about all-time favorite artists? It
1: just says favorite artists. That's why I, I was asking right okay, now.
0: Well, well, is it right now or is it forever? It's what you I want think it could to
1: go be. go Yes.
0: My favorite artist is Burner Boy. And Burner Boy has a song on Twice as Tall that features Chris Martin called The Monsters You Made. I tried it. I just can't. I hate the fucking song. And I will say this, most songs featuring Chris Martin,
2: I don't like. I love Coldplay, but... Do
1: you? See, I
0: don't. I love Coldplay. I love Coldplay. But most songs just featuring Chris Martin, I don't fuck with them.
1: I don't know the answer to this. This is tough for me.
0: Who's your favorite artist?
1: Well, the first person that came to mind was Kendrick. And so I was like, well, what's a terrible song that Kendrick has put out? I don't know if there. I don't have one, mm-hmm. but then I'm like, maybe should I think of a feature? I don't know. I just like to me, everything he does is.
0: Does Kendrick similar. Lamar have a
1: bad song? That's the first. I was like, okay. Well, I literally am here and I'm like, worst Kendrick Lamar song. I, I, I like them.
2: Rachel. I guess have people.
1: You. I guess people might say "Auntie's Diaries." Auntie Diaries. Diaries is a
0: fucking great song. You might not have I know, the but best it was yeah. controversial,
1: so people yeah. might that might be something that people say is the worst, is the worst song. All
0: right, what else we got? Damn it, Donnie, do it. Last All right, one. let's do it. Numerous camp asks What song do you wish you could hear for the first time? All this music bullshit.
1: I like yeah. it. Um, <laughs> um what's the exact title of the song? A Woman's Worth, Maxwell. I will never forget what it felt like to hear that song the first time.
0: If I can, I be uh, should I be truthful? <clears throat> should I be truthful about this? Like can I, the truthful answer? Yes, and hurry up. The truthful answer is all of the lights, man.
1: Beautiful song. I mean, that's the, listen. That, that's it's, just, the, it's a great song. Nobody's going to knock me for that.
0: answer. The truthful answer is all of the lights. Also, also my world got changed the first time I heard 93 to Infinity. Like, mm-hmm. not, the first time I heard 93 to Infinity, I was, like, that song is still, to me, one of the most amazing achievements in music. I love that record. Okay. I love that record. Okay. That's it. That's no more. That's no no more. No more. No more. Rachel's gotta right. go. Big no, Rachel's no. gotta go. <laughs> no more. more. Uh, unexpected Ally of the Week is the dude who punched the fucking dude in the face of the hockey game for saying N-word.
1: Okay. I have a a more realistic one. Okay. <laughs> and now I can't find it. Now I can't find it. But but Ben Crump got a law school named after him, which I think oh here it is. Ben Crump got a law school named after him. Uh, he's the first black practicing attorney to have a law school named after him, St. Thomas University in Miami. That's a pretty big achievement. Ben Crump does Why you continues say black to do like great that.
0: work. First black.
1: I always emphasize black when I say it. All
0: right. Um, Uh, Take take the caps off and do not stop learning. I am Van Latham Jr.
1: I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Jam-packed episode for y'all. Bye.